One year, I kind of got an idea. You almost try trap. I like to trap. I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? I would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money hand over fist trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the furball. Thank God. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Representing trappers in a positive light. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Purpose and Game magazine. There's structure from Perigo Gorman. Perg Lennon's articles, the Perg Lennon's ads. information, trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. All right, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet because work it ahead of time to build big traffic. If you got very much the same as the you got bogged down. They started talking about these big plans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down top. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't know, get them better. Trying to set predator traps and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like it gets sheared. You better edit this part out. Yeah, it was better. Back in the first shed, this is Trapping Today. I'm Jeremiah Wood. Thank you for tuning in. Great to have you guys here. We are brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures. K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S dot com. Trap smarter, work harder, enjoy the success that follows. Cotsports have baits, lures, books, DVDs, traps, snares, everything you need to get started on the trap line. We're also brought to you by Onyx Maps. Turn your phone into a fully functioning GPS. Mark waypoints, track your movements, get landowner information, and the latest aerial imagery. Onxmaps.com. Use the promo code TRAP, T-R-A-P, for 20% off. Thanks to Cotsbros and Onx for supporting this podcast. And uh, it's great to be here again another week. It is getting colder. Days are getting shorter. And talking about cold weather gear, cold weather clothing for the trap line. So we had last week's episode where we got started on the cold weather uh, clothing issue and and, uh, things that that I've learned and and recommend. And this week we have part two and we're going to get into a whole pile of different things. I got a great deal of feedback from last week's episode from guys that uh, have appreciated just hearing more about the the recommendations and stuff and have similar issues to me where maybe you get cold hands or you get cold easy or whatever and you like to have quality gear. So it was great to hear from you guys on that. And uh, we'll get into this. I mean, this episode just kind of got me thinking a little more about the wintertime and the cold and the Alaska trip, and I'm really missing it. So I'm not going to go to Alaska trapping this year, but I'm I'm um, I'm I'm missing that. So get to thinking a little more about about trying to get back there in the future and get back on the trap line, and I think uh, that that's something that's kind of uh, it's it's going to be a desire of mine until I actually get back and am able to do it again. But anyway, so uh, hope you guys enjoy this episode and, and we'll get into the details here on cold weather gear. Any questions, comments, suggestions, or anything else, just give me an email at jrodwood at gmail.com, J-R-O-D-W-O-O-D at gmail.com. Check out trappingtoday.com, get the Walter Arnold book, Get the long distance call lure, get the Mustela t shirt while supplies last. All right, guys, let's get into it. 
All right, we covered socks and boots, uh, cold weather clothing for trapping or other activities in the Arctic environment. And now it's time to move on to the uh, below the belt, the legs and torso area. Um, what do you wear for pants? What do you wear for long underwear and, and so on? So this was something that uh, basically the, this is the, where the whole theory of layers is, is critical. Now, in the Northeast, we are very accustomed to wearing uh, snow bibs in the wintertime. So whether it's ice fishing or snowmobile, anything we do, we're usually on snowmobile in the wintertime. And so we'll use we'll use those snow bibs. They're super warm, super comfortable. The only problem with them is you can't be very mobile. And I actually I bought a pair of bibs for the Alaska trip, and uh, th there are kind of two different pairs of bibs that I wear here in northern Maine. One is the uh, the Carhartt Arctic bibs, and those are uh, very very useful for working here in the wintertime when I'm out feeding cattle and uh, working on vehicles, uh, you know, change of oil in January, which is never fun, uh, snow blowing in the tractor, things like that. I will wear these Carhartt uh, winter bibs. I think they're called Yukon Extremes or something like that. They're insulated bib. They're the ones that are black in color. Um, and the first time I saw anybody wearing these was actually the TV show Yukon Men and uh, Pat Moore's daughter Courtney was featured on the show and she wore them pretty commonly when she like worked with dogs um, training sled dogs and stuff like that and I thought man I gotta get a pair of those they look super comfortable and everything they look like they'll be warm so they are warm when you're moving when you slow down uh, I've ice gone ice fishing in them and I get cold they're not they're not warm enough to keep keep me warm, you know, at 20 degrees even if I'm not moving around. So uh, of course that's you know I get cold pretty easy. So uh, some of you might do fine with those, but the Carhartt winter bibs to me are just a good working bib, and uh, I I can't get warm in them. Uh, I have uh, Chaco bibs, which are a snowmobiling brand, and uh, I think it's C H O K O. And they they make several different pairs of bibs. There, the Carhartt ones must be like a hundred and forty, hundred fifty bucks maybe. The Chacos that I have are like two hundred, so they're they're not super cheap, but they're they're really common snowmobiling bib. Uh, I was able to get them. One of the big things I will say for my clothing, and you'll hear about this more, is uh, being able to get tall sizes because I'm skinny and tall. And the LL Bean is one of the only brands that sells medium tall. And medium tall has been a godsend for me. It's just the absolute perfect size uh, for my body shape. And, and uh, it makes for some really comfortable clothing. Sometimes I'll get large tall, uh, like the bibs, uh, they, sold them, they sell them in a large tall. And that's, that's what I've gotten and worked really well for me. And so I'm able to kind of move around a lot and not have like really loose clothing. And, uh, and things that kind of restrict you when you're trying to, to walk or hike or, or even sometimes jog or run down a trail. 
So the ones I got were called the Choco Deluxe Bibs. And I got them because basically I had a pair that were issued to me at work. You know, I work uh, in the wintertime. I'm out on the ice uh, checking fishermen on snowmobile all the time. And so uh, those were a work issue bibs and I enjoyed them. I liked them so much while I was working that I bought a pair for myself to use uh, off off the clock. And I was going to bring those to Alaska. That was my plan. Packing the suitcase, putting everything together, it was very apparent that it wasn't going to work out. Um, they took up so much space in the suitcase that I didn't have room for everything else, uh, including my Cabela's Predator Extreme boots, which I was not going to go without taking. So I ended up leaving the bibs at home, and I was very concerned about this. But one of the the good things about not having the bibs, I, I thought, was, well, you're going to be able to move around more because even though, you know, even with a good fitting pair of bibs, you're still, they're so thick and insulated, uh, you're, you're going to have restrictive movement issues. If you're on a snowmobile, no big deal, but trapping, constantly getting on and off the snowmobile, walking sections of trail, uh, are I really was concerned that they would be too restrictive and they would have been looking back. So I kind of went out on a limb and I, I made a decision and I tried some things and I found something that I thought would work and actually ended up working like a charm. It was absolutely perfect. This was to me the best combination of warmth on your legs as well as comfort as well as actual maneuverability and, and ability to to move around and walk and, and all of that. So this to me is the ideal setup for the trap line. And the great thing about it is because there are five layers involved in this setup, you can adjust and adapt based on the, uh, on the temperature and the conditions that you're in. So here's what I did. Uh, I knew typically I'll have like, uh, when I'm, when I'm just out, you know, in Northern Maine and say it's 20 degrees out or whatever, I will have uh, one pair of long underwear, uh, technical base layer, I guess you might call it, um, some sort of fleece polyester blend or wool blend or whatever, and then I will have just a standard pair of jeans, and I will put my snow bibs on top of that. And that's very common. Um, When I am out hunting or trapping on the Martin line here in northern Maine out of the pickup, I will wear that technical base layer, and then I will wear a pair of wool pants over top of that. No bibs or anything. Now, the wool pants are, they're good. There's good and bad to wool pants. I love wool pants. I'm, I'm kind of, I've gotten to to uh, really like how they function a lot more over time. And the, the only problem with wool pants is they can be pretty bulky and restrictive to your movement, in my opinion. Um the solution that I found was to get a pair of really thin, lightweight wool pants. Not super thin, like not like the wool dress pants that you see, but um, not also not like the super thick wool pants that you see that are all, you know, they just, uh, you, you just look at them and you have a hard time walking around, I think. They're nice maybe for hunting if you're creeping through the forest. A lot of people wear them up here in northern Maine during deer season because they're creeping real slow through the forest and um, they're quiet and you don't have to really move extremely fast or or be super uh, maneuverable. But I've used them jumping in and out of a truck, checking 50 traps, 60 traps, 
60 different stops and not good, not comfortable, not flexible, not none of that. Um, I got a pair a couple years ago. So I had this old military surplus wool pants um, that I, I'd gotten, I don't know where I got them. I got them at some outdoor store many years ago and they were like World War II surplus. And I loved those. They were real thin and they'd been worn out for so long that they kind of, uh, they kind of lost a lot of their their uh, wool fibers anyway, but they were so comfortable as far as movement. They allowed so much movement, and they fit me just perfect. Well, of course, nothing lasts forever. They would rip. I'd patch them. They'd rip again, rip a little more, wore out here, wore out there. Finally, I couldn't wear them anymore, and I had to find a replacement. And uh, I didn't really like Johnson Wool are probably the top of the line. They are the most expensive uh, by far and probably the highest quality, but I just, I have some for work and I just don't like the way they fit. They don't, they don't, they seem to fit shorter, wider people a little better maybe. Um, and I, I just did not like the inseam and the cut and just the way that it seemed like they were always restrictive for a tall skinny guy that likes to run around the woods all the time, jumping over trees and around stuff and checking traps um i i tried a pair of big bill and i think they were a large tall um or they may have been a number size i can't remember but um they were a uh, big bill merino wool i think it was 214 is the number they have a bunch of different numbers and these were the lightest weight merino wool uh pants that big bill sold as a company out of canada and i they were as close to that old pair of wool pants that I that I could find, and I love them. I've gotten another pair since, and I just absolutely love them. I bought them from some military surplus place uh, online um, that I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But I'll try to uh, provide a link to those, maybe Big Bill's website or whatever, uh, to see if, if you can track down a pair. I think you'll like them. And the lighter weight wool is nice because it's... It, it allows movement, and you can also just add layers underneath it in order to uh, to get the, the warmth that you desire and not sacrifice your uh, movement. So here's the system. I had the Big Bill. I had the thermal underwear, the Big Bill outer wool layer, and then in between there I had a pair of fleece pants. These were um, just a pair of L.L. Bean pants that I had gotten I think I actually got them at Goodwill many years ago, and I had them sitting on the shelf because they were always so warm. They were too warm to really wear hunting, um, especially if you moved around, worked up a sweat. And I always had bibs and stuff for ice fishing, so I never, um, I never really wanted to use them. Uh, to use them, that nothing seemed to work well. There wasn't a situation that seemed to work well for them, so. I, I had them on the shelf and I never wore them. Or I get to packing for Alaska and looking at my options, I thought, well, I ought to try these. And it turns out those fit, for some lucky reason, just perfectly under my Big Bill wool pants. And so I found a combination. Well, the combination was three layers of... And, and I found this out by trying it out in Alaska. You know, I wouldn't have known otherwise, but... Um, cause I, it didn't get, it got down to like 20 below and I tested some stuff, but it never got cold enough really in Northern Maine this past winter 
to test the Alaska conditions prior to my trip. So I ended up, the, the final product was three uh, pairs of wool blend or poly blend uh, long underwear on top of each other. The fleece pants, and on top of the fleece pants, the uh, wool pants, the lightweight wool pants. So essentially five pant layers, 100% comfort, 100% warmth, 40-50 below in Alaska, still stayed warm. Um, I actually did have, for riding on snowmobile, sometimes the wind would kind of blow through the wool and the the uh, the fleece a little bit. Not, it wasn't too bad, but occasionally I did ha- I did bring a pair of rain pants as a shell to sort of block the wind, and that helped on some days where we had long snowmobile rides. So so I did that as well. But um, for a lot of it, the uh, the wool the, that that five layer was just perfect. Uh, occasionally, I would have that sixth layer. So the 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 base. Let's get into the base layers. I had three of them, and this was something that I struggled with a bit at first because I I never really thought about wearing one on top of the other, you know, wearing three total. And it kind of came about by necessity. So what I wanted to do was get a really high quality pair of um, of pants, of thermal underwear that would be super warm. Because I had a few pairs of, they, they were... Um, they called polar I think they were polar max fleece base layers or yeah whatever they were they were some sort of blend and they were they were okay but they weren't super thick and oh they're sorry they're they're cold proof c-o-l-d-p-r-u-f and I had some that those are what I will wear up here um, typically in northern Maine in the winter time and I had I'd wear one pair with the the fleece uh, bean pants and the wool pants. I go outside a little bit. Ah, you know, this might be a little bit cold, maybe. So then I'd try two pairs, and, and, you know, that was okay, but still a bit chilly. So I decided to look around for one of the the, the warmest, highest quality uh, that I could find. And what I, what I found was the high-quality merino wool uh, base layer um, long underwear were super super expensive but super comfortable and had very very high reviews as far as performance and what i ended up finding was a brand called wool x w-o-o-l-x and wool x made these long underwear bottoms that they're uh, they were over a hundred bucks okay these are very expensive but i was reading all the reviews and people were saying these are the warmest long underwear I've ever worn. These things are so super comfortable. They're super warm. They they fit great. Um, actually, some people said they're too long, which was perfect for me because I want most of mine are too short because I'm tend- I'm pretty tall. And and so like tall, skinny people, they th- seem to fit really well. So these wool X, I kept hearing all these great reviews about them and I did not want to pull the trigger because of the cost. Finally, I, I got, went back to, okay, remember what you said about you know, high quality stuff. You're going to use it forever. It's going to last longer than the low quality. You're going to be comfortable. You're going to be more happy outside in these. And you needed something warm. So I pulled the trigger and I bought them. A few days later, they showed up. They didn't look anything like what I thought based on what I had read. They were not that thick at all. 
they're heavy, heavy, heavy um, as far as weight, really high density. They're, I think they're 100% merino wool. Um, the beauty of this merino wool, which I'll mention in a second, is it has like well, it's antibacterial properties or whatever. Um, you can sweat in it and it doesn't stink. <laughs> it's really cool. I mean, you can uh, you can get away with a long time not washing, um, which is good for being out in the bush and and not have to worry about bacteria building up or getting smelly or anything. So uh, really good for hygiene. And the the wool it, it was really form fitting and everything, but they were not warm. They were not. I wore them. I put them on. I walk around the house with them, and you could feel they were. They hugged tight to your legs, and you could kind of like feel the cold. It was almost like my legs were colder when I put them on. It was unbelievable, and I was just like beside myself, like. And so I was getting ready to return them, and I thought, well, it was the weekend, and I think I got them like Friday, and so I was gonna. It, it was. Uh, it was a. A UPS return I believe so it would have been I would have had to wait till Monday so I tried them I put them on for a couple of times through the weekend and and just thought oh, I'll, I'll give it a little more of a try um, give it the old college try and by the end of the weekend I was really feeling comfortable in these things I, they, they were not as warm as advertised they just were not and I was really disappointed in that because I thought I paid a hundred something bucks I want to have a warm pair of pants or a pair of a warm base layer, and then I then it kind of clicked. Like, hang on a second, these are super comfortable. What if I just try putting those uh, those other base layers on top, um, in those cold proof, and see how they fit, and then put other stuff on top of that, and see see what how it works. And what I learned, what what ended up happening, as soon as I put that first layer on top of those Wolex uh, long underwear it was like the warmth tripled and I don't know exactly how it works. I really don't, but it, it almost seems as though when you wore those just by themselves, you got a little, they really didn't warm your legs up. Like it maybe cooled them down a little bit, but as soon as there was a layer outside to capture that release of that heat, um, it, it, it made them so they, they added so much extra warmth once there was something on the outside of them. And so this this combination that I found was the the wool X on the very base, which two weeks in Alaska, <laughs> I hate to admit it, but I wore these every day for um, actually yeah it was two weeks straight. I wore them every single day, and they didn't at the end of the trip I could have kept wearing them. They didn't smell at all. They were just super super comfortable and super clean. Uh, two layers of cold proof kind of medium weight um, long underwear. On top of the Wolex, the L.L. Bean fleece pants on top of that, and then the Big Bill wool pants on top of the fleece pants. And that made for a superior layer, in my opinion, because you could move around good, it was real comfortable, and it was real warm. So enough of that. You have probably your own system that works, or you want to try other things. Um, sure, go for it. Um, that this may not work for you, but boy, I learned that that is that was ideal, and I wasn't sure if that would work in 40 to 50 below, but it did. I should add that I had one time had a really the coldest day that I was out there. Um, that I ended up checking traps. We had like two or three days of super super 45 50 below, and 
didn't go far at all. And then finally, you just got sick of it. It's like, we can't stay here. I can't stay here another day um, in the cabin. And just we're just outside the cabin doing firewood and walking around, checking a few traps. So um, one day, finally, Jim got to heat and preheating the sled with me. And he said, all right, well, you're going to go. And that was that was ungodly cold that morning. And Jim lent me a pair of uh, uh, refrigerator bibs. And those refrigerator bibs, for their uh, thickness and for their weight, they were super, super warm. They, they Again, they looked like, ah, oh, this might not be that warm. They were super warm. And I, I've worn refrigerator in the past. I should have known that they were going to be warm. But those were um, in an added layer. And I actually... I. I'd had like a 10 mile snowmobile ride from the cabin to where I start checking traps. And for the ride there and the ride back, I wore them. And then with the parka, which I'll talk about in a little bit. And then for actually when I went, when I was checking traps and getting on and off the sled a lot, I just took those off and left them in the toboggan and, uh, and kept them there. Oh, Bobcat is starting to sell. Sorry, guys. I'm listening to the, uh, or I'm kind of watching the fur harvesters auction live auction that's taking place here today as I record this and they just uh, started selling some bobcats so I'm gonna pause this thing and see uh, what the prices are looking like and then I'll come back and continue to record alright I'm back guys uh, just listen to fur harvesters sell bobcat links and Martin if sell is the word you want to use it was pretty disappointing and pathetic uh, auction yeah, so it was pretty sad. Um, but we'll talk about it in future episodes. So uh, we'll get in a little more into the state of the fur market. We've talked about it a little bit a few weeks ago. It's just uh, a little bit disappointing to see uh, Northern Maine Martin going for 5 to $10. Um, yeah, I've never seen that before. I've never seen, I've never seen it anywhere close to that, so... And some of them sold as low as three dollars. Um, then the Western damaged Section Three Martin, they were uh, one or two dollars. They couldn't even get bids on a lot of them. So not cool. But anyway, let's continue. Uh, the fur market is what it is, and we're going to have to make decisions on trapping, uh, in, including you know keeping the fur market in mind. But there are a lot of other things as well. Uh, uh, I, I'm still going to be Martin Fisher trapping this fall. I know it's crazy. Um, will my fur go to auction? Eh, probably not. <laughs> maybe maybe if I want to speculate on a little bit of it, if the market starts looking a little better. But boy, um, regardless, I'm crazy enough that I will still trap, even if I don't get a penny for my pelts. But um, I think I think there are places and ways to, to market them, and I love trapping so much. So... Let's talk about this cold weather gear. We've we've gone over the uh, lower end, and now I guess we're transitioning into the uh, upper, the torso layers. Um, so basically, the where we talk about layers and layers and layers, and the this applies more, I think, to your torso than any other. Uh, part of your body having lots and lots of layers and it's primarily important because the core of your body is the part that heats up quickest and gets hottest when you are physically active 
Um, and it's where the uh, last of your heat, uh, the majority of your heat comes from. And so it's a very important port area, part of your body to be able to vent extra heat, uh, get rid of extra heat, as well as important area to conserve heat when you need to warm back up. So by having lots of layers and being able to put those, take those off and put them back on, um, it, that's really the key to comfort in trapping in cold climates. So I start off with a pretty thin base layer, and there are a few ways to do this. Some people, you can just wear like a cotton t-shirt or whatever. Um, as they say, cotton kills, so you got to be careful about how much cotton you wear. And uh, if you have cotton underneath, you want to have some polyester wool or some other blend uh, on top of that. But uh, one thing that I've found that seems to be uh, very functional and works really well and has a good combination of warmth, comfort, um, and and so on is these uh, double layered uh, sh base layer shirts and uh, the, the the ones the company that has made them for a long time and I've I've worn for quite a while in the past is called Duofold and it's D-U-O-F-O-L-D and Duofold is specializes in these uh, two layer shirts and Typically, the inner layer is 100% cotton, and the outer layer is a poly blend of some sort. And the the reason for that is the the cotton is what hugs your skin, and it's the most comfortable. You don't get all scratchy from the wool and everything. And then uh, the other stuff th that where on the outside can be more for uh, conserving uh, warmth, as well as wicking away moisture, and uh, being able to stay warm even when wet because we know cotton does not stay warm when wet but other uh, poly and wool um, do do keep you warm when they're wet so the, the, the dual fold is a good option the ones that I have gotten now uh, I bought for this Alaska trip and I love them and I wear them all the time now is uh, the LL Bean uh, the, the, they're very similar to the dual fold they're like a, a two layer shirt um, however, the the inside is 100% cotton. The outside is a cotton wool nylon blend. So they also include wool in those LL Bean shirts, and they're super expensive. They're uh, just for like a you know just a regular long sleeve base layer shirt. They're 50 bucks. Um, but I, I you know I went to the factory outlet, medium tall, fit perfect, and I got them for like 30% off. Um, so so they were pretty good. I got two of them, and I wore them throughout my Alaska trip. Absolutely loved them. The other uh, the other base layer that I'll wear close to my skin is a uh, Polar Max technical base layer that's really thick, and th this one is super super warm, and it's kind of form fitting to my body. So I, I'll wear that where it's going to be you know the super cold 40 50 below that was good to wear right close to my body um, the only thing with those thick base layers is if you are working up a sweat they get you'll get incredibly wet um, they're so warm that if any physical activity it's easy it's really easy to work up a sweat during physical activity when you're wearing one of those so you, I, I always wore that and wear that when it's super cold and if i'm you know riding on a snow machine and i'm not going to be spending a lot of time uh, with heavy physical activity. The The key again is is those layers and so I'll have a number of those you know the the base layer and 
and then uh, one or two shirts, two or three shirts down, kind of, a, and that are to start with that are going to be pretty thin. Um, after those one to three base layer shirts, um, I have something that is uh, it's kind of um, it's a hoodie, I guess you could call it. It's a, like a thin, lightweight, relatively lightweight hoodie. Uh, the the one that I've had forever was made by Sitka, and they make some really nice clothing, super comfortable, super warm for its size. Uh, real, uh, the, I gotta I gotta look this up. I can't remember. It's like a I want to say it's like a quarter zip hoodie. It's a long sleeve shirt. It's like thinner than a sweatshirt. But it's got like the outer layer is is pretty tight knit, and so the wind doesn't cut through it very well. And the inner layer is pretty uh, like fibrous, insulated type material, but it's still pretty thin. And the hoodie, the the hood goes over your head, and it when you zip up, it makes it it forms tightly to your head and around your side of your face. And so it's it's really good for like windy areas and I use it hunting in Montana all the time uh, it is just was just perfect for that and I found in Alaska I bought I bought one that was very similar I couldn't find the Sitka one that would fit me well to replace what I had and but I found a bean it was pretty it was like 130 bucks it was pretty expensive um, I got I think I got 20 or 30 percent off of it and it was uh, it, it it was kind of it was interesting how it was designed because the front half was twice the thickness of the back half. And I guess the idea is when you're you're moving and you're physically active, uh, your back is going to get sweaty earlier. And so it allows more heat to vent out the backside while keeping the front of your body uh, relatively warm. And I found that worked really well. They also have the long sleeves and then uh, where the cuffs are, there's like holes in the cuffs to put your thumb through. And I really like that because it brings the that cuff in on your hand and helps keep your hands warmer, which is nice for guys like me that get cold hands. And then the, the bean had the same as the Sitka where you get that zip up hood and the hood conforms pretty tight. The bean hood was actually a little bit looser uh, for the size of the shirt and it it was what I found was it was actually nice because it allowed you to wear a hat uh, underneath the hood, uh, wear like a stocking cap, like a knit cap, and uh, had plenty of room for that. So, so that was nice and uh, and and it worked pretty well. But that's kind of like a mid layer, and then on top of that, I would have uh, fleece pullovers, and I had one, I had two or three different fleece pullovers. And usually I'd wear two of them. I had kind of one that was a little bit thinner and one that was real uh, puffy. The thing with those fleeces, uh, those both for me were being medium tall, really fit fit really well for me. Um, Cabela's make has good ones. There's Columbia has good ones. I like the quarter zip ones that you pull over as opposed to the ones that zip all down the center. I have those as well, but those jacket types, you, you it seems like you get a lot of air coming in uh, through the zipper area. But those those are nice uh, to be able to pull over. Now, I what I did I wore one of them when I was Martin trapping in Maine uh, the last fall before I went to Alaska, and I wore it without anything over it on days that were like you know 30 degree days where it was fairly warm, and I was walking through the woods, and the the fleece is kind of interesting because it has all these little fibers, 
And if you walk through the woods a lot, in northern Maine especially, everything is so brushy and you're brushing up against everything. Actually, a couple of days of wearing that through the woods in and out of different sets and areas, I actually wore off a lot of those fibers on it. So the shirt was like a little less warm. And so it, it made me super cautious on my other fleece that I bought recently for the trip that I, I didn't want to mess that one up. And so I had both fleeces and I had one that I just saved for really cold days because it had all those nice fibers and they weren't all messed up or rubbed off or compressed. And so the thing was super warm, super soft and comfortable. And I, I just wear that under something else and made sure I wasn't wearing it for anything else. And cause you, you know, some clothing, you gotta be, I'm not real careful with stuff and you gotta be careful with it or you will ruin it or make it less functional. So, so the fleece pullovers were awesome. They're really super comfortable and they're easy to take on and off and add and remove layers. Now on top of the fleeces, again, this is Alaska 40 to 50 below, lots and lots of layers. Um, you've got to be versatile. Um, on top of that, I had a down jacket and I've worn down jackets for uh, quite a long time. The the, the, I love I like the bean ones. That's what I've been accustomed to. A number of different companies make them. And there are an incredible number of different types and varieties of down jackets that you can buy. And it can be pretty complicated and confusing. And they are super expensive. I actually ended up going to that L Bean Factory outlet three different times trying to look for down coats. And I... It wasn't until the third time I found one that I finally could pull the trigger on, but they were so expensive. The ones that I, the one that I wanted, I'd got one years ago. They had them. It was the off season. It was like springtime. They had a bunch of inventory. I don't know if it was a mistake or if they just had so many of them they couldn't move, but it was really good. Uh, and there's different fill categories for the down, and like uh, you want a minimum of it, the fill. There's I don't really understand it fully, but it has something to do with the size of the fibers and and the thickness of the fibers and the the it, it influences the warmth. It's like number of fibers per ounce or per unit of weight, and the higher the number, the more warmth per volume you get out of the coat. And so the the minimum that you want, from what I've read, for cold weather is 600, and like 900 is like I think the ultimate. Um, I bought this one. It was 800 fill down, high quality goose down, and I picked it up for. I think I paid like $39 for it. LL Bean is just a, a really super nice coat, and the sizes of the down coats are really deceiving. So you can't order one online. Like I've had mediums, and I've had extra larges that were the same exact size, exact identical size and I don't know how they size them and how that all works I don't understand it but you you have to try them on if you're going to spend that much money you really want to try them on um, down coats are interesting they have like they're you know puffy puffy coats and then they have the fabric that encases the down like the outer part of the coat is really thin and when I first started wearing like my first down coat I ripped it like immediately and, and I learned you got to be super careful with these things. They're, they're real thin. And for me, like I'm pretty rough on stuff and I'm going around, I'm on rubbing against sharp objects and trees and everything all the time. Um, 
I always wear a shell on the outside of my down coat, and I, it's typically like a rain coat. I'll wear it all winter long, my down coat with a raincoat as an outer shell. It's just like having a parka um, or a jacket with a insulation on the inside and a shell on the outside. I just kind of make my own by by throwing a shell over a down coat. But anyway, that's uh, we'll back up just a second. So um, I looked and looked and looked, and finally I had to. I spent like two hundred bucks um, on this down coat, but I found one that fit me perfectly. It was eight hundred. Uh, I think it was 850. It was 800 or 850 fill. It was super comfortable and it was, it had a hood, which they, they don't all have. Most of them don't have, but it had a down filled hood incorporated into the coat. And so I really thought that'd be a good addition for Alaska. And it did end up being awesome. I used that thing. I had that hood on all the time. It was, it was real cozy because I had my, um, my lightweight hoodie and I had, I had like, I'd have a hat on and then I'd have that lightweight hoodie over top of whatever hat I was wearing. And then I'd have the down hood over top of that. And then I'd have the uh, raincoat hood over top of that. And then when I was wearing the parka, which we'll get into, I had the parka hood on top of that. So a lot of layers on your head, your head loses a lot of heat. Uh, and so it was a really good heat preservation um, tactic. So the down coat, I, I really did like that one, and uh, it worked out really well. The uh, Of course, they're, they're not designed necessarily to have that shell over them, so they breathe a lot. What I've learned is is uh, a lot of air and, I guess, water vapor is kind of uh, moving out from your body into the atmosphere through that down coat. And the reason I found, the, the way I found that out was... Uh, every day that I wore just the down, everything with the down coat and, and the raincoat, and I didn't have the parka over top, uh, those were good, you know, days when it was like 20, 30 below and I was pretty active or I'd wear the parka on the snowmobile ride and then I'd take it off for checking running traps. But every time I'd get home, get back to the cabin at the end of the day, and I'd have layers of ice on the inside of my raincoat. And that was moisture that was coming out from the down coat from my body and was getting trapped in the raincoat, in the inside of the raincoat. And then it was freezing as soon as it hit the surface of the raincoat because it was so cold. The air outside was so cold. And so you kind of got to watch that. I mean, it didn't bother me at all. I was always comfortable when I was out there. But when I came back inside, I had to make sure to always pull those two apart, pull those two layers apart and let them dry separately and kind of flip the, the raincoat inside out and, uh, and get that water all kind of dried off before I wore that again. So something to keep in mind. Um, I'm sure maybe there's some high level technical jackets that, uh, are designed to eliminate that, but this works quite well for me. And uh, that was the only kind of side effect. The coat, the the rain jacket is just your standard summertime rain jacket with a hood on it. And um, I I get a I've had Cabela's ones which I've I've liked, and I've had Bean. This one, the ones I wear now, are mostly Beans. I have a couple other brands I try, but I got lots and lots of raincoats. Um, but but that was a the the one I've kind of settled on is is a pretty good pretty good comfort wise. And they hold up pretty good. I mean, they're about 100, 120 bucks. Um, sometimes you get rips in them and stuff. You got to watch it. But uh, if they're taken care of, they they tend to hold up pretty good. And again, I wear mine all winter long, and then all summer when it's raining, I wear it. So it gets a 
a dual purpose and gets a lot of use. Finally, the last outer layer of the torso is going to be that parka. And the parka, I didn't bring one with me uh, on my trip from Maine. Jim had an extra parka that he let me borrow, and it worked really well. It was super big, so I could fit it over all of my different layers. And maybe it was an XL, I don't know. But it was it was good sized. And the parka is is fairly well insulated, the one that I was wearing. Um, I think you, I'm sure there's lots of them that are better insulated than the one I had. Mine was more of like a shell than anything else. It had a thick outer layer that repelled, the, blocked the wind. And the absolute most important part of that parka, as far as I'm concerned, most important part of any parka that I can tell is that hood and the rough around the hood. That is critical. I've talked about it in the past. We were snowmobiling. I always wondered how these guys in Alaska rode on snow machine, you know, 30, 40 miles an hour and 40, 50 below and did not have helmets to protect their face from the air. They just had their faces there exposed. And even behind a windshield, I mean, that that's a lot of cold air coming at you. And I did what I didn't realize was how protective the parka is, the parka hood is for your face. And the parka that I had, you know, you had all your hats and everything on, and then you pulled that hood over, and you, when you zipped it up, the zipper went up and then went out away from your face, and it formed this tunnel that was about the size of my hand with all my fingers put together was the opening of that tunnel. And that's all you could see. So you literally had tunnel vision. You couldn't. You had to spin 180 degrees in order to see the sled behind you, which was a real pain. But it was so protective because that tunnel was surrounded by mine. In my case, I think it was wolf fur. It might have been coyote, a coyote or wolf fur on the the lining of that parka. A lot of them are wolverine or wolf. It was very common. And the combination of that fur and that tunnel and that tight opening, that small opening. It really blocked the wind from getting into your face. And so it was absolutely critical for any type of movement, uh, being out in the wind, uh, being on a moving snow machine. I'm sure if you were on a dog sled, it'd be the same same way, especially on a dog sled because you got no windshield. So that, that parka is 100% ideal, critical uh, way to go. You can't, they're very difficult to purchase. You can buy them, but you're talking like, maybe you buy a Canada Goose Expedition Parka, you'll get a nice one, but it'll be $800 or more. Um, However, if you have a winter coat with a hood and you want to put a rough on to have that same impact, uh, that same effect, you can go and check out Tyler and Ashley Selden's store. Um, Uh... It is uh, alaskaseldons.com, and they sell these ready-to-sew-on ruffs for you, any uh, hooded uh, parka. So you can buy one of those ruffs with either wolf or wolverine fur and have it sewn onto your hood, and you can have kind of a similar effect, that fur protecting your, your face from the wind. So that's, that is all... As far as the torso, let's move up to the head and then we'll get the hit the gloves and we'll be done. So the head, uh, there again, multiple layers. This one was a bit of a challenge for me because the traditional stocking cap that I wear here that seems to get me by most times, uh, that your head can get pretty cold in that when it gets down to uh, 20, 30, 40 below. And so I... 
I had I probably spent more time looking for the proper hat than anything else. That's why you see these guys up north. Uh, a lot of them have hats that are homemade out of their own fur, and there's a reason for that. It's very difficult to find a good quality hat that's that keeps you warm. So uh, I I had uh, starting at the base um, some sort of a neck warmer or a ball clava. Um, it, it's something that we wear under snowmobile helmets here in Maine. Uh, in Alaska, I brought mine, and the balaclava was a really nice. I brought actually like three, two or three of them, and I had one that ended up working out really well, and I, I wore that most of the time. But it's it hugs tight to your head and down around your neck, and it keeps the air from cold air from getting into your neck, and also around the sides of your face, and uh, so it, it's a good start. It's a good base layer. Um, on top of that, uh, sometimes I'll have the standard stocking cap. I, I wear mainly uh, just a regular Carhartt, a thick, not not any, just any Carhartt, but actually the, the thick stocking cap that Carhartt makes, the thickest one, um, is, is seems to be pretty functional in that cold weather. But most of the time it was too cold even for that. Um, so what I found worked well for me, and this was, again, I sent... I had two different hats I had uh, I purchased online and I sent them back because they weren't what they advertised. They were cheap junk. They said they were real fur. They ended up being fake fur. It was some Amazon stuff and it just didn't work out. I was trying to save a little money. I could not find a good quality fur hat. Could not find it. It was very frustrating. For, you know, you could find one. Yes, it'd be like three, four hundred bucks. I wasn't ready to spend that on a hat. So the only thing I could find was rabbit fur, and L.L. Bean sold this the Mad Bomber hat, Mad Bomber rabbit fur hat, genuine real rabbit fur, and it's super soft, it's super warm, it's a good, it's a really good solid hat. Um, Jim kind of <laughs> joked with me a little bit. Some there's some saying there in Alaska that uh, women wear rabbit fur, <laughs> and so I was I was I don't know maybe some of the the um, Native women were laughing at me a little bit, but anyway, it was super comfortable and it kept me very warm, so I was happy about that. Uh, since then, my friend Josh Fisher in Fairbanks made me a beautiful, beautiful hat out of my Martin and Fisher pelts that I had tanned and sent to him. Uh, it's unbelievable, comfortable and warm, and I'm going to be wearing that this winter and. Next time I go up to Alaska, that will be going with me. So that was a awesome solution. I couldn't afford one, but Josh was uh, was kind enough to to make me one. He sewed himself a pretty amazing piece of work. So uh, I, I'm lucky. Hey, I'm lucky. He also made me a pair of beaver mitts. So uh, can't complain at all. Um, I, I actually got to try to get Josh on the show. I don't know if he'd come on. I, I I'm Josh. If you're listening to this, I got to call you. Um, we gotta we gotta chat and catch up. So the that's the hat, um, and then of course I have those two hoods I mentioned over top uh, of that hat, or three hoods I guess if you count the raincoat, and four hoods if you count the parka. So lots of lots of layers there that worked very well for me. Face, um, I thought that cold wind in my face was gonna be brutal, so I bought a pair of Smith goggles. Smith Optics makes. These ski goggles, uh, you can get them. A bunch of different brands make them. I, uh, I get a pro deal through Smith as part of my job, and so I, I order 
my sunglasses through them, and I really like those. Um, the these ski goggles were awesome. They were really super comfortable, lightweight. I loved them. Problem is, they just constantly fogged up on me. And about halfway through the trip, I gave up on wearing them, and I just went out and toughed it out without any goggles and did just fine. Uh, Jim told me the same thing. He uses them occasionally, but they fog up so much that if you're doing any physical, if I'd go that 10, 12 mile ride on the river before I started checking traps, usually I'd put the goggles on. But uh, once I kind of picked them up on top of my head and kind of perched them there and I moved around a little bit and checked a trap or two, I put them back on and they'd be fogged. So uh, I, it, it, it's a, catch 22 with the goggles i guess but they do they do a good job of blocking the wind you just uh have have to um be cautious or be aware that they're not going to be perfect for every situation then finally the hands um mr cold hands cold hands cold feet um one key thing i didn't point out with the feet and i i need to point out for both feet and hands is hand warmers i brought a case of hand warmers with well i shipped them up to gym before i went to alaska and I had hand warmers and toe warmers every day. Um, that was that was a constant thing. That was just kind of a necessity for me having cold hands, cold feet, and they work awesome. Um, actually, if I was on the snowmobile most of the day, and the the snowmobile handlebar warmers were adequate to uh, to not really need hand warmers, but um, I wore them. I used them anyway. Usually, sometimes they get a little too hot with the snow snow machine warmers as well. Um, but but the chemical hand warmers are, are are a pretty big deal. They work really well. Now what I got when I started with this whole journey with my uh, cold hand syndrome, uh, I started buying these finger gloves, and these are a really thin glove that uh, that you put on, and the fingers are like half half the length, and so they leave like half of your fing- the outside half of your fingers exposed. And they cover the inside half of your fingers and your hand. And they're uh, the ones I get are I get them on Amazon, and they're made by Doctor Arthritis is the brand. And so for a lot of people that have arthritis and stuff, they really seem to help. They help uh, preserve a little warmth in your hands. Uh, they seem to help with blood flow. Um, I really like them. I I tried like creams and all that stuff was supposed to enhance your blood vessel blood flow and stuff. I never had any consistently good luck with that. But uh, those gloves are really nice. Like first thing in the morning, get up, my hands are cold, put them on. And uh, as long as I don't need to get my hands wet, they they work really well. They they help uh, keep relatively warm and m- until I go outside and start putting on all the other gloves. Um, now, the, the basically I stuck with two different layers of gloves essentially at all times. I'd have the outer mitts for snow machine riding and and for walking on very cold days and then I'd have the inner mitts for just standard uh, running traps and then if it wasn't too cold or I was doing firewood I'd have instead of the inner mitts I'd, I'd have gloves. For the mitts and the gloves that I wore as kind of that first layer or those smaller uh, underneath the the big the big mitts that I found these uh, last winter and they are the most incredibly warm and comfortable mittens and gloves that I've ever worn and they're cheap they're affordable and they're super super warm and they fit me perfect and I don't know where they came from or what they're all about the the 
company is called named uh, Cayman, C-A-I-M-A-N. And they got like an alligator or crocodile as their logo, <laughs> which is odd for a cold weather gear. And the gloves are called Heat Rack, H-E-A-T, as in heat, and R-A-C, Heat Rack. The Cayman Heat Rack gloves and mittens are unbelievable. They're like 17 bucks, 15 to 20 bucks, depending where you get them. You can get on, on Amazon. Our local hunting trading post hunting fishing store has them. I've bought them there too. And uh, they, they run a little big. The size medium actually fits my hands, and I'm typically a large. Um, they, they are like um, a deer skin on the inner layer, like the inside layer that your palms and the inside of your fingers uh, or the inside of the mitt is, is black, dyed black deer skin. And the outer part is like a fibrous polyester blend that's just super soft and smooth. It's like a, it's a fleece. Yeah, it's a fleece. Um, and so you get the, the mix of deer hide and fleece and it's just, they're just super comfortable. I, I probably recommend these more than anything else, uh, aside from maybe those Cabela's Predator Extreme boots, but, uh, the, the Cayman Heat Rack, the mitts are super warm. Those, those mitts are, they're real small. Like they're not these big oversized mitts. You have those with a set of hand warmers on the inside and those finger gloves on, uh, even a guy like me, I my hands stay warm down to 20, 30 below with with that. And then for the, the riding and the super cold stuff, um, I have an outer layer of mitts. Now, Josh just made me these beaver mitts. That's what I'm going to be wearing from now on. But before then, I couldn't afford the beaver mitts. You know, you're talking a uh, minimum of 200 bucks. However, uh, there are there there is an affordable option for cold weather mitts. Um, there's some, you can pay a lot of money for, uh, there's a bunch of different brands. I've tried a lot of them. I haven't really been happy with most of them. The ones that have worked well that I've really liked, and you can get them for like 30 bucks are these extreme cold weather military surplus mitts. Uh, they, uh, they're ECW, I think is what the, they're called. And, um, they come in different sizes and colors and there's two different types there's there's one type that are I think like army, and those ones are typically green, and the leather on them is uh, is brown, like a light brown. And then there's some other ones that are like uh, air force, and those ones are kind of like a bluish blue camo, um, and the leather is like a gr- like like a pale green or a grayish color. And these things, you got to be careful because they are sized to fit over existing gloves. They were made for military expeditions in the Arctic. They're made to go over existing gloves, and they're made to be super, keep you super warm. They work great, but uh, for me, I needed medium. I th- or I th- it might have been small, but I think it was medium. Um, I ordered two or three pairs of these and had to keep returning until I could get the right pair as well. <laughs> so the sizing was a little off between the Air Force and the Army ones. And uh, the, I think I had a pair that was supposed to be medium Army and they were way too big. They're like way bigger than any XL glove I've ever worn. And I they just weren't going to work. But then I think I got a pair of medium Air Force that was just the perfect size to fit, on the, to, to fit uh, with those heat rack mitts inside of them 
and it was just like the perfect combination. It was actually maybe a little tight for pulling on and off constantly, but once you got them on, they were super cozy, comfortable. Um, and that's what I did. That's how I that's how I kept my hands warm. 40, 50 blow with a guy that's hands get cold easy, no problem. So that's a lot of information. Um, by the time you hear that, I'll have this in two episodes, I'm sure. So this will be the second part. So uh, big information overload, maybe more than you wanted to hear, but I just dumped everything that I've learned in the past couple of years for cold weather clothing. And it may not all suit you or fit well for you. You may have other suggestions, options. Email me, jrodwood at gmail.com if you have other ideas you'd like to share with me and I can share with people on the podcast. Um, specific products that you like, things that have worked well for you, brands, or uh, specific uh, clothing items, let me know. Let's let's talk about it. I will try my best to put a bunch of uh, links to different products that I've mentioned so that you can get an idea of what uh, what we're talking about here and and maybe uh, find, find some of those things for you to wear on the trap line or cold weather expeditions, whatever you might be doing outdoors. So thanks again, guys. And uh, until next time, um, just keep on thinking trapping, keep on talking trapping. We will uh, we'll get into the season here pretty soon. It's starting to get cold here, so it's getting me thinking about these cold weather items, and I'm actually taking them out from storage and getting rolling, getting going, um, getting ready for winter, uh, for the prime fur, for the fun and enjoyment on the trap line. Even with low fur prices, we're going to have a good time. My goal this year is going to be to have fun. So take care, guys. We'll catch you on the next episode. Hey, thanks for tuning in, guys, to the end of the episode. It is time for the Cots Brothers Deal of the Week. You can go to cotsbros.com, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S, and this week use the promo code DVD, all caps as DVD, for five times the points on any Cots Brothers DVD purchase. So now's a chance to get on that, get on, get uh, caught up on Cots Brothers DVDs and learn a little bit about trapping, maybe hone your skills, check out the New Mexico DVD, maybe learn a little more about coyote trapping or beaver trapping or whatever you want to get into, um, five times the points. Uh, let's see, that equates to like 25% off of any Cots Brothers DVD. Great deal. So check them out, CotsBros.com, this deal lasts until the 11th of September. So get on it while you can. Thanks, Cots Bros. Thank you guys, and we will catch you on the next episode.